Welcome to the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast, where we interview the world's leading CEOs, business executives, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and authors. Our mission is to learn the strategies and tactics that have helped our guests succeed in business and life and share those lessons with you so that you can become the Bulletproof Entrepreneur. My name is Chia Dogu, and I'm the co-founder and COO of Odogu Media Group. Odogu Media Group is a podcast marketing and new media agency that helps corporations create and amplify their story via high-quality branded audio content that builds a community of highly engaged fans who are their ideal clients for their premium products and services. And now, without further ado, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast. My guest today is Matthew Hunt. Matt is the founder of Automation Wolf and Summit Beast, which is a virtual summit agency. He's built three B2B businesses to profitability over the past 13 years on the back of smart marketing and sales. He's been uh, a noted consultant to several big companies around the world, including Remax, uh, Valvoline, FedEx, Uh, Touch Bistro, and many, many more. I'm pleased to have him on the show today to talk to us a little bit more about how businesses that are struggling in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic can actually create solutions to solve their problems, make some sales, generate leads, grow their businesses. Or even if you're an employee and you found that you've been furloughed, you lost your job, you're laid off or whatever, how you can start to create some profitable ideas to start executing upon to make some revenue because yes though the government say they're going to bail us out and help us but we all know that sometimes that um it's a lot of words and it may not really go as far as it's supposed to but now that we all have some time on our hands we can actually take it upon ourselves to say okay how am i going to create some actionable solutions and solve my own problem and get myself out of this mess so um it's it's now on your back that if you didn't want to be an entrepreneur now is the best time because you've been granted the gift of time to do it so Matt's helped a lot of people do that he shares so much about it on linkedin and i thought it made for a great conversation for two of us to get together and brainstorm through this whole process because he didn't always have these skills or he wasn't always an entrepreneur himself he overcame a lot of obstacles before he now um, found his way and started doing what he's doing today. So, Matt, thanks for coming on to share your story and your words of wisdom. And um, without further ado, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, that's a lot of things to cover, man. We're going to cover a whole lot of stuff in this episode. Holy! <laughs> so, you know, what, what, how how do you think that we should uh, help people first? What would be the best way to okay, so, so uh, let's, to start? Let's, Let's talk a little bit about your backstory and okay. um, what got you to where you are today, and then we can all go into the session. Sure. Well, so I started my entrepreneur journey uh, in 2007, so basically just before the last the crash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I was I was already broke at that time, so it didn't matter that there was a crisis. I had nothing to lose. So the mm. good news is if, if, if you have nothing to lose, nothing changed for you mm. um, <laughs> during this current crisis. So I was a, a little bit of... I always tell people a little bit of naivety goes a long ways because mm. if I had known what... I know today, back then, I may not have done what I did. I might have ran, I would have ran the other way. (laughs) And so I think every entrepreneur, um, you know, 
uh, if they, you need to exhibit just a little bit of the unknown and naivety to actually succeed. If you, you, you don't want to know everything. You, mm. <laughs> you want to have a little bit of blind faith and just jump in. And then as you get through it, eventually, you know, you'll, you'll push your way through it. Because what happens is you, you get to a point where there's no point of no return. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and at that point you're you're too far in too deep that you that yep. you can't quit. You you only have one choice, which is to finish finish the race. It's kind of yeah, it's like a marathon, right? I mean, there's there's always that point where you think that you're going to quit, but then you get to the point where you're at the marathon. You're like, okay, I'm halfway through this thing or three quarters way through this thing. If I stop now, that's going to be a real waste. And mm-hmm. yes, it hurts, and I'm not enjoying this at all, but. I might as well finish the bloody marathon, right? Sure. So then at that point, you know, you're, you're going you're gonna to go. Or you, the other day, a good example was we took our kids for a hike. And uh, I like doing this with them all the time is I'll tell them we're going out for a bit of a hike, but I'll go so far out that, that you know, knowing that it's going to be too much probably for them, mm. but they have no, they have no choice at this point. There's no other way to get home, but to walk back. <laughs> so, <laughs> And so even though they're tired, by the time we got halfway there, you're like, oh, well, what are we going to do? Yeah. You know what I mean? You just got to keep going. Keep going. <laughs> so you're building resilience and uh, inner strength. In the you process. know, I, I, I believe that all, all good things for all of us come from little tiny stresses you know mm. and if you look at the, you look at this anything you you want to build your immune system fast regularly right like take a break from eating regularly it's a little tiny stress you want to build bigger muscles lift, lift little tiny weights right Weight, and, yeah. and and you can't just go to the gym and bench press 200 pounds mm-hmm. you, you got to go to the gym and you start with like 25 and then you do that for a couple of weeks and then it works to 35 and then 45, right? Now, the trick is between these little stresses, what the, the mistake that people make that I've learned over time is this, is you want to create little tiny stresses in your life, whether it's mentally, mindset-wise, whether mm-hmm. it's physically, health-wise, whether it's in your business or anything, but you want to do them in such a way that they're engineered to succeed, this is this is key, particularly when you when you're raising children and, and and things like this. They're engineered to succeed because success begets more success, mm-hmm. right? And and you build upon it, and it's easier to build upon having success because what it does is it it, cr- it creates a, a a natural feedback loop to the way we naturally behave. Like we mm-hmm. like humans are humans are not very smart, right? Like like yeah. we evolved through Darwinism, like pain and pleasure, right? And and we have these little things that, that fire off in the back of our brain, our croc brain, our lizard brain, that we can't control. Even things like chemicals, like, you know, like the chemicals that fire off, even like that we get enjoyment from doing anything. But the, the, the point is it gets fired off yeah. to try try to move us towards things that are, are, are good for us and away from bad things. Now, these things were very naturally built in because when we were like cavemen, right? Like, you know, you, you wanted, you wanted insulin to fire off or neurons to fire off when you were hungry so that you would go and do the things that you need to do to eat. But today we don't, most of us don't have to go hunt for our food or scrounge for food. And so 
these neurons don't fire off, but we over we overeat, or we, you know we do the, we use it the wrong way. So today you have to be really really careful about what ones you're firing off to be productive and useful for yourself. And you need to make sure that you engineer success. The, the biggest mistake people do is they is they go, oh, I'm going to start a business and do all these things, or oh, I'm going to start going to the gym five days a week, and you end up failing, and it fires off something you can't control, which is an emotion of negativity that makes you want to run away from doing that yeah, thing, yeah. that failure. So instead, you have to trick yourself. You have to go, okay, I'm going to go, and I'm just going to do one push-up each day for the rest of the week. Mm-hmm. And next week, I'm going to do two. And and what ends up happening is you just end up like going, two is easy. I'm going to do three. And you just start going, damn, man, I can do four, and I can do five. And you start getting addicted to like the success that you're doing that you end up getting more of what you want usually. So the, the trick is little stress but engineered success. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Yeah. And- uh, in terms of uh, your backstory and your career into entrepreneurship, so how did um, engineering success help you through 2007, 2008, and even into 2009? Because I know that period, yeah. at least for a three-year stretch or so, it was difficult all around for most people, even when starting new businesses. Yeah, well, I got really lucky in, in a lot of things in my life. So so some some people get dealt a, 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 a good set of cards and some people don't, right? Mm. And so even, even since I've been a young child, I've been very, very lucky in, in the things that have been gifted to me. And uh, I guess I was just a little bit smart enough to jump on some of that luck and propel it forward. So, you know, I never... I never planned on being an, an, an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Just kind of, I think I, I think I'm naturally organically an entrepreneur, but I didn't know it. I wasn't born into an entrepreneur life. So what ended up happening was, um, I developed some skills along the way from having some of the right mentors that, that laddered up to being a, an entrepreneur really easy. So my, previous career was I was an actor on stage Mm -hmm. for 10 years and you know the so that was very very helpful that transitioned me into uh, a job which was direct sales like door-to-door sales and that door-to-door sales skill laddered me up into having the ability to start a business (laughs) and 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 so I was lucky that I had some of those things occur in my life that prepared me to take those next steps. And at the same time, each one of those things forced me into the next step, just naturally and organically. So for example, I was pretty committed to being a a theater actor and worked for 10 years on stage doing it. However, even though I was making a living and doing it, it wasn't conducive to what was happening in my life. My, uh, my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, uh, became pregnant. And so I was on tour when she was pregnant with our first son. So it didn't, it didn't seem feasible anymore for me to be an actor. So it forced me into exploring new things like door to door sales, which then forced me into wanting more to start a business. Right. (laughs) And so, and, and the door to door sales, the reason why I ended up going from door sales to the entrepreneurship was because I, I was good at door-to-door sales, but I didn't like it. 
And so I ended up trying to find ways to solve that problem. So I, I had the ability to make a lot of money doing straight sales. So what mm-hmm. I was doing is I was selling door-to-door credit card processing machines mm-hmm. and ATM machines. And I was good enough and used to going up and talking to people on the spot because I spent years of auditioning and being on stage. I was comfortable with that. Improvisational skills that you learned. Yeah, that's right. It was there. So I, I, I was able to do well where a lot of door to door salespeople don't have those skills mm-hmm. and they, they struggle. They don't last long. So I was able to make a living. I could go in, knock a hundred doors, make a couple sales and make a very, very healthy living of, you know, cause commissions were like a thousand bucks per sale that you would make. So as a young man, that was great. Making a thousand or two thousand dollars a day. I was like, damn, this is awesome. Yeah. But what happened was I said, I really don't like doing door to sales. It was taxing after a while. Yeah. You, you go in a hundred doors, 90, 98 people say no. And two people say yes, or one person say yes. That's a lot of no's to get for one yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a, it's emotionally draining. And, and most people who've been in sales really understand that. And, and you have to have a very, very strong, spirit to do that for a long period of time that's why the burnout rate is so high for straight commissions types job the reward is really high mm-hmm. but the burn is really high that's why only one percent of straight commissions people make a lot of money and the rest don't really make money and burnout and they end up looking for like a salary type job because yeah. it's way too hard it's very very difficult but what happened was when you what's great about having a straight commissions job is it starts building that 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 strength that muscle like working out that you need to probably be an entrepreneur to handle Mm -hmm. all the the toughness the mental toughness right to be Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur it it started building that resilience for me and it created something in me that made me become innovative to find better ways to do it so i knew that there was probably a better way to do the sales than go door to door so Mm -hmm. i just started doing my own telemarketing. So instead of going out five days a week and hitting a hundred doors, I said, you know what? I, I, I think I'd rather sit at home with the yellow pages oh. and, and call a bunch of businesses and set up one day of appointments. So this way I only had to meet with maybe 10 people in a week face to face and I could go through the numbers quicker on the phone to see who was interested mm. <laughs> and, and then close them. So I started leveraging my time better. And that was great. It, it developed more skills of learning how to be on the phone. However, what ended up happening was even that became taxing. You know, telemarketing every day was like, oh, it's, it's, just, it's just spirit killing. Like it just kills mm-hmm. your soul after a while. Like it wasn't that it didn't work. And that I and that I couldn't do it. It was just soul crushing for me. Mm. <laughs> I was an artist. Remember, I'm a bit of flaky artist. Like I enjoyed performing on stage, but I didn't really want to piss off a whole bunch of people who didn't want mm. my product. And especially so getting that rejection, you know, because the actor yeah. seeks applause after every performance, and this is insults after every performance. So that, I can see the contrast there. Yeah, well, everyone will tell anyone will tell you nobody likes rejection. Mm-hmm. No one, no one. There's a lot of people who teach and salespeople who are like, oh, every no gets you closer to a yes. But you know what? A lot of that stuff is is a lot of bullshit, guru. That's the stuff that they used to do in the circle. So, like, what they would do with these these straight commissions stuff, they would get all the all the people in the room who sold. And they would do a huddle and this rah, rah, rah in the morning and then send you out. And they'd point to the guys who were doing really well. 
which was like someone like me. They'd be like, see, Matthew's doing it. He just sold two sales yesterday. You go do it. You can make two grand a day too. And they'd get you all riled up and send you out. And most of the guys would come back with their tail between their legs with no sales mm. and after you do that for about 60 days they they quit there's only like the one percent that actually is able to do it and yeah. the reason i was able to do it is because i had 10 years of auditioning and 10 years of listening because i know that sales is really 90 percent listening mm-hmm. and 10 percent selling right it, you got but most guys don't have that skill they're not they're not taught how to listen. So if you want to actually get really good at sales, one of the best things that you can do is actually take an acting class or even better, an improv class. Mm-hmm. That, that, that will teach you more about sales than any sales course that you could take ever. Because it's about listening and, and being able to, to move with where the conversation is going, right? Mm-hmm. The other thing that, that, that a lot of, you know, that you need to understand about sales is most salespeople are not listening well enough to know where they are and being honest with themselves about where they are. And so what I mean by this is everybody knows this and says this, but they rarely actually uh, recognize it for themselves. People only buy from people that they know, like, and trust. Mm -hmm. And, And the higher the ticket price is that you're selling, the more important that becomes. If you're selling a widget for 50 bucks, you need less of it. You're selling a, uh, an annual retainer of a hundred thousand dollars. You need more of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what people don't, what a lot of what a lot of salespeople don't do, and the reason why they fail is they they fail to recognize where they are in that cycle. And you can't do any selling, zero selling, until you have trust equity. So so what some people do is they go, oh, they now know me, so now I can sell. Eh, wrong. Mm-hmm. They don't know you and like you, and they go, oh, they know me and they like me. Now I can sell. Eh, wrong. No, you can't sell until they know you like you and trust you. And here's the great thing. Once you recognize that and get good at that, if you can do 90% listening and you can recognize very clear where you are in that cycle, that you have earned trust equity, you literally can sell anything and anybody would buy anything from you, no matter what it is. Because because people are rarely people are rarely buying the thing that it is that you sell. Most of the time, what they're buying is they're buying based on the trust equity that you banked. And this is why some of the best marketers in the world understand this. And this is why marketing and sales goes together. Yeah. Marketing and sales are not two different things. They're one thing. And it's unfortunate that we actually even make them two different departments. Mm-hmm. It's their, their, their one department that should be working and breathing together. Yeah. And they both need to learn from each other and they both need to support each other. Unfortunately, most of the world and most companies treat them as two separate departments and two different things. And I really wish we would stop doing that. We would just call it one department as one thing and they would work together. And salespeople need to become marketers and marketers need to become salespeople. We need both because if you want to be a really good marketer, you actually need to be on the front lines and interviewing your your customers or your ideal prospects. And if you did that, you'd be a better marketer. And vice versa, marketers need how to clo- need to know how to close sales and and work with clients. You know, on the on the front on the front lines uh, mm-hmm. to be able to do that. And vice versa, they you know salespeople need to understand marketing to do to do better the other way because they could leverage if salespeople. When, this is the big epiphany I had was. When I could leverage what I knew as sales for marketing, that's when I really started making money and doing like doing really incredible things. Because I was able to take all that sales stuff and then 
applying to marketing. What happened to me was I was doing door to sales. I did telemarketing and I said, that still sucks. And I didn't like doing it. So then I started doing something called fax broadcasting, which is a terrible thing to do. I don't recommend to anybody. And if you know what a fax machine is, spamming on email, you got it. It's just like email spam, but for fax machines. Mm. And so I, I was doing that and it, it worked. So I would spend $400 set a fax broadcast, which is basically a flyer, you know, like, like a flyer that people put on people's cars. Well, this mm-hmm. went to their fax machines and I would make like four or five grand. So I thought it's like, okay, this is cool. However, it felt terrible and icky and salesy and sleazy because I would literally get like another 50 phone calls with death threats that I, mm. that I, because what would happen is these companies would send like, a hundred faxes all at once to these fax machines and yours would be just one of many because they charged everybody 400 bucks to do it. And so you just end up, so it was abusive in a way. It's like, it's literally it was an abusive thing to do. So after me doing it three or four times, I was like, Oh, this feels really bad, even though I'm making money. So I, so I'm like, I got to find a better way. And this was when I said it was about at this point, it was, it was 2007. And I said, you know what? I'm on Google looking for information on how to do stuff better. I bet you people are looking for point of sale terminals and credit card machines and all this stuff. This is before this is before people start realizing the internet was something. And so mm. I, I found a book called the definitive guide guide to Google AdWords by Perry Marshall. Mm. And I, and I read that book and I learned how to do Google AdWords and search ads. And this was the early days when search ads was really cheap. And so I was paying like 25 cents for a click to, to, so I got a buddy of mine who knew how to build websites. I'm like, can you build me a website? And I had him design. I said, just build me one page. I'll write the copy and stuff. And because I understood the customer so well, I was able to write like their pains and, and frustrations. And I wrote that all on one page. And I was like, if you're tired of all this stuff, click here and I'll, I'll solve your problem basically. Right. And so because I had the front end sales experience and the research, I knew what to write really well, even though I didn't know what sales copy was like, I understand that's what we need to do now. But back then I didn't know. So, so I had my buddy create this one page website, which he thought was weird that it was a one page website. So this is before landing pages became landing a thing. Yeah. Before landing pages became a thing. I didn't even know what, I didn't even know what a landing page was. Nobody knew what a landing page was, but I was like, no, I just want one page which was like actually a good decision. So all you could do was read the copy and, and then, and then click the button to contact me. Right. That was, that was it. And so I, I, I did that and learned that. And then what had happened was I started getting like all these incoming sales and I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I'm like an order taker. I was like all of a sudden like the very best salesperson at the company I was working for. They didn't know what I was doing. I built it as like a third party brand mm-hmm. and and then after a while, I was like, this is amazing. So I hired a friend of mine to be the order taker because there was no more selling. Literally, people would read the copy, click the button, go, I want to buy what you want to buy. And because it didn't cost them anything, I got paid in another way. I just signed them up. It was free for, free for them to get signed up. I'd save the money, get paid a commission. They're already spending that money on other things or needed it for a new business. Yeah. And and I grew that business into a pretty good business. And, and while I had my friend doing that, I got crazy fanatical about learning everything about digital marketing. I bought every course. I bought, I learned SEO. I learned how to de- design websites. I learned how to, because I was like, this is huge. This is going to be the biggest thing in the world. I'm like, 
I need to get on this. And for three years, I figured out everything. I started building websites and SEO. So my lead gen business for the for the merchant account business grew really big. I had I had about fifteen different websites. I was beating all the banks. And and like I, I was just some guy in an apartment, you know, just mm. doing all this stuff. So but then I had this epiphany, I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. Uh, I bet you I could do this for other people. So then I started my first digital marketing agency in 2010 and started uh, offering digital marketing services for small businesses. And I started off with actually doing it for free because I didn't have a lot of confidence. I got a bunch of case studies and then I started charging and I went from like charging like a, like a retainer of $150 a month over the course of 10 years where I didn't even work with people unless they pay me 20 grand per month minimum. So like it was a big, it was a big journey and a big learning curve and lots of challenges along the way. But, but that was sort of like, you know, the origin story of how I got to where I am today. And, and today full circle, I've, I've simplified it and really turned it into my own process even better now, specifically for B2B businesses, which is why I have the Automation Wolf and then I have Summit Beast as another one of my businesses. But it's it's a much easier way of, of doing business in general, particularly now that it's more difficult. Like you have to remember when I started, not many people were well, doing it. They, were doing it yeah. No one was doing it. So it was easy. I, I could be terrible at it. And, and it did well, no matter what. So that's what I mean about, remember I said I was lucky. I was lucky. I kind of just backed into all these things unplanned and was lucky Uh, today. You couldn't do what I did back then. It would fail because there's, there's way too many smart people. It's way more competitive. It's much, much harder than it's ever been. Today, someone can't start a digital marketing agency or start a B2B company or start a startup and, and get what I got. I, I, it was just, it was just cause I was an early adopter and beat yeah. everyone to it. Right. That, that was it. Just pure luck. That's all. So, so let's talk a little bit more about, um, automation wolf, because one of the things you wrote on your LinkedIn profile was basically, you know, how B2B businesses can get leads and make sales as much as, um, 30 a month, even in this period where there's a crisis. So let's talk a little bit more about that and let's flesh out. Okay. So, What's your system? How does it work? And for the local business or the small business suffering out there, um, what can they do? Because right now, I think the name of the game is, hey, how do we keep our business afloat? Yeah, great question. So before I answer that question, I mm-hmm. think it's I want to answer a couple other things that are really important because this 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 is key to actually understanding why the tactics work, okay? Sure. So... Like, like anything in life, we don't usually have business problems. We usually have mindset problems that show up in our business. Mm. This is important. Really, really important. Every problem that I've ever had, when I really get to the root cause of solving the problem, it always, it always came back to a mindset problem. So with that being said, I want to address some of the mindset stuff first. So we already addressed the first one, which we were talking about before, which is a universal law. There are universal laws that are, that are backed by science or by, by psychology, like behavior, that you can't control. And if you understand these universal laws or these, these psychological behaviors that happen no matter what and align your business with them, then business becomes a lot easier. But if you don't align your business with these things that exist in the world, and some of them are literally like, like some of it's physics, like you can't fight physics. Mm -hmm. So you might as well align your business with it. But if you do that, 
then what is happening is you have to do very little effort to get big impact. Mm. And so you have a choice. You have a choice. Do you want to take the long way to make more sales or do you want to take the short way? Do you want to do lots of things and and have hustle nation, or do you want to like actually make sales like simple and easy without like do you do you want to have to be a really really good salesperson to be able to close sales, or would you like to be like hey like you're pretty terrible sales we still make sales, yeah. so it, it, this is the difference that you have like you know or you know and so you can either do things the old way, or you can do it the new better way. And so what I propose to everyone is that we choose the new, better way. But to do that, you first must understand these universal laws. So the first one we talked about, which is no one buys from you unless they know, like, and trust you. Okay. Okay. So the question is, how do we engineer a situation where we get people to know, like, and trust us? That's the question that you have to answer. And here's the thing that that we always need to recognize. When we discover that we have a problem in life or in business, we we often need to answer it by answering a different problem first. So like when people think they have a sales problem, they rarely have a sales problem. They usually have a lead gen problem. When people have a lead gen problem, they rarely have a lead gen problem. They have a positioning problem. Mm. When people have a positioning problem, they really have a mindset problem. Mm. It's not, it's not the thing. It's not the thing that it's you think. The thing, like often, the thing behind the thing. There's a thing behind the thing. It's the tip of the iceberg analogy right everyone's looking at the tip of the iceberg that's sticking out above the water but reality the the the, the root cause it you know that you need to address is the thing that's hiding under the water right we're always treating the symptoms the symptoms might feel good right initially but it's not the thing that's going to fix it right yeah you know sure you can you can take a pill to lose some weight but really you just need to eat cleaner Right, but eating clean is boring and not fun and tedious, and it takes a long time. And ah, oh, right, nobody wants to do it. Everyone wants a quick fix. Yeah. So, so one is we have to we have to realize that there there's no there is the thing that I'm gonna talk about right now is not necessarily a quick fix. There's no get rich quick scheme. However, mm-hmm. if you do these things right, you will get everything that you want. Okay, and so so the first thing is if if nobody if if you if nobody if you can't sell them before they know, like, and trust you. When you when you when you reach out to people cold, okay, they what? You're a what? You are a stranger, right? Stranger. Yeah. And what does stranger mean? You've been taught it since you've been three stranger years old. Danger. Stranger danger, right? So so we all know that. So you're in the danger zone. So if you if you reach out and you you are a stranger and you're trying to sell your stuff, how well do you think it's going to be received? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. It's not going to be received at all. So you have to reach out with an offer that 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 allows them that's soft that allows them to get to know you and makes their life better. Okay, mm-hmm. and can leverage another universal law which I call the network effect. Okay, the network effect is is any system where you add more people to it, it gets better. So companies that use the network effect is Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Uber, eBay, Amazon. Maybe you've heard of these companies. Maybe maybe some of the fastest growing companies ever to exist. And it's because they don't try to create the content anymore. They don't try to do anything. They're creating a system that the more people you add to it, the better it gets. Amazon has, has people selling their own products there. And they, all they did was f- fulfillment by Amazon. 
They made it easy for you to sell your stuff. eBay did the same thing. Uber is a marketplace connecting people, right? They're doing the same thing. Facebook does, YouTube does. So you need to, you need to one, first create a system that gets better the more people you add to it. Two, allows people to get to know, like, and trust you. It allows you to get this, 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 this leverage. So the easiest way to do it is always to build a community. Okay. Mm. And, and, and the smartest, the smartest marketers and the smartest people in the world understand that the money is always in the community and in the audiences. And I don't say audience very often. I prefer the word community because an audience is, is, is you. Okay broadcasting and we don't we don't live in a world where it's you broadcasting and it doesn't build a deep relationship with where community everybody's participating right mm-hmm. and so here's here's what you want to do is you want to reach out cold with an invite to join your community that makes them makes their life better okay and by doing that you're able to position yourself in the community as the host and as the lead expert and by you doing that you're able to do more selling at a one-to-many level which gives you leverage all right yeah. <laughs> and so it gives, like what we're doing on this podcast right now so this is a very similar system that's right mm-hmm. it's a very very similar system a podcast would be a tactic in doing that okay goodness, yeah it's a it's and so what i recommend is when people get their community you actually interview people they aspire to be. So, so what I mean by this is you actually, so you, I call it being the Oprah of your industry. So Oprah is an expert of nothing, nothing. Mm -hmm. But what she's really good at doing is she's a great talent scout and bringing in the experts, being curious and asking them, asking them what should, what should my audience look out for and look for when wanting to do this thing. And by doing that, she builds up massive amounts of trust equity, massive, massive amounts of equity. And here's the best part. Experts come and go, but the only person people remember is Oprah. So you have Oprah expert. Then there's Oprah, new expert, Oprah, next expert, Oprah. And then here's another expert. All the experts come and go. The only thing that the, the community and the audience remembers is Oprah. And now look today, if Oprah, no matter what, even 10 years after not being on television, if she jumped online today or jumped on a show or jumped on a podcast or tweeted something out and there was some company that was struggling that she loved because of COVID-19 and she said, this company is awesome, support them, they would go from struggling or surviving straight to thriving, thriving the next day, from surviving to thriving like that, just on one tweet from her. Why? Because she's banked so much trust equity. How did she bank it? By not being the expert, but by being a talent scout. Okay. Right? Which is the same thing you're doing. You're going out, reaching out to different experts and and building up a community and audience. This is more of an audience format than a community aspect because because your, your audience can't participate. So if you take this and you also put them into like a Facebook group or put them into some sort of group where they can participate, now you truly have a system that's also leveraging the network effect. 
Well, the network effect, the network effect is any system where it gets better, the more people you add to it that starts to leverage what's called the Fibonacci sequence or the flywheel sequence or the snowball sequence where it gets, it starts gaining more momentum, the more people you add to it. And remember, you want them to create 80% of your content. Mm. Like, you can remember, Facebook doesn't create any content. YouTube doesn't create any content. Instagram doesn't create any content. Their users do. Mm-hmm. On the, on the, for free. They do it for free. For free. Mm-hmm. So you need to do the same thing in your business. So you need to pick a niche, a vertical. You need to create a community. You cold outreach to that vertical. Invite them to your community. And then in that community, interview experts that they aspire to be. So that you can position yourself that they know, like, and trust you, and you can build trust equity. And then no matter what you sell, when you sell it, because businesses and products and services come and go, you can sell anything you want when you want. Because people only buy from people who know, like, and trust. And if you have true trust equity, it wouldn't even matter what you sell. You just say, go buy this thing, and people will go buy it. Hmm. Now, let's talk a little bit about you know the strategy and tactics, because as you were explaining it, yes, I, I got it. But for somebody listening to this and saying, hey... You know what, um, Matthew? I run maybe a, a bakery or a grocery chain in Mississauga or in Ecuador or whatever. How can I do this? Okay, I hear what you're saying, but how can I do this in my own business? Because I'm 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 still stuck between this whole. Oh, yes, I understand the framework as a whole, but so now do I open a Facebook group or do I start a podcast or do I host a YouTube channel? What exactly am I going to do to make this whole thing work? Yeah, totally. So I, I think that you should always start some sort of community and the way you choose your community is based on where your ideal prospects or clients or customers hang out. You want to remove friction. So there's another universal law called the, it's called Newton's laws of friction. Mm -hmm. Same guy who like discovered gravity with the apple that fell on his head, boink, you know, that kind of stuff. Again, this is really important stuff. You have you have to bring it back to physics and science and align your business with science. So if you want something to go faster, right? Like friction, he has a law of friction when two masses against each other, you know, the more friction there is, the less there there is. This is why they just yeah, this is why they design cars that are aerodynamic, or this is why, like, uh, you know, on ice, things go faster because there's actually liquid in between that's yeah. formed, right? That makes it go faster. So you have to understand about that about your business. You want to remove steps and friction as much as possible. So one is mm. figure out where do they hang out, and that's where you build your community. Mm. Two, you need to you need to remove the steps for them to consume your 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 content, your value added content. So if I was a bakery, I would teach people how to bake my amazing goods. We know the devil's in the details and you're not going to do it. You'd rather just order it, but you might as well like do that now, like give, give things, right? Mm-hmm. That, that adds value that way. Now I specialize right now in more to B2B type businesses. Mm-hmm. And most of the strategies I'm talking about today are very B2B driven. However, the concepts apply to B2C too. So if you notice like any major influencer out there today, they launch product after product after product, but they're doing it because they have an audience and a community, right? So like, it doesn't matter if it's, so a lot of times they use a particular thing to, to kickstart this. Like maybe they're a musician or maybe they're a model or maybe they're a television star. 
sometimes people do it by just being amazing at what they do, so good that they can't be ignored or whatever thing it is they do, and then it launches from there. You know, like if you look at Gary Vaynerchuk, like Gary V, he started with like, you know, selling wine and wine TV, and then it and then it learned into, you know, him being, you know, uh, his agency, and then it turned into him being like this major social media influencer, and now he can launch product after product after product. It doesn't matter what it is, right? That's because he's built a community around his personal brand and his business brand and, and, and an audience. And he's serious about the community. Now, he uses social media not as a broadcasting tool. He uses it as a community tool. So even though he doesn't have an actual community he puts people in, he treats the comments like a, like a community. He gets them engaging and talking, and he talks right with them, right? So it's kind of the same kind of concept. I think it's a harder way. Most people don't have the hustle that Gary Vee has. And so mm-hmm. maybe most people don't have that, that, that mental toughness to do what he does. So most people would fail at doing that, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want to engineer success then you want to put them in an isolated community as like, you know, at a smaller one and, and engineer these wins. There's ways of engineering these wins with these tactics that you can do by getting them talking and creating or bringing in experts like Gary Vee is great and, and entertaining and, and knowledgeable, but you don't need to be the expert. You don't need to be smart. So like if I was a big, if I was ran a bakery or if I was an any expert, I would go find all the other, you know, I go find all the Michelin star baker bakers, and, mm. and interview them and do a cooking show with them in their home. Hey, let's go live. You cook in your kitchen. I'm here. Let's record this for this community. And people are going to come. And then there's something really cool when you do that. When you also leverage other experts, you get to borrow something that's more important, which is you get more. Le- it's called their audiences. OPA. So everyone knows OPM. What's OPM? Other you people's know? money. Yeah, you got it. So that's good, right? Yes, you want to leverage other people's money. Everyone who understands real estate gets this. They're like, hey, I'm going to buy cash flowing real estate. I'm going to take $20,000 and put down to buy the you know, uh, the $100,000 property, whatever it is, wherever you are in the city. You know, In Toronto, it's a million dollars. But somewhere else in Peterborough, you can get a property for $100,000. But the, po- the point is you're buying cash flow property, and then, the, and then the bank is actually purchasing the majority of it, and then the renters – pay for it. Smart, right? That's a great, nice way to to increase your net worth and your wealth over time. Well, you want to do the same thing with experts. Stop being the expert, be a telescope, bring in experts that are bigger than you have bigger brands, and then you get to leverage their audiences, OPA, other people's audiences and other people's authority. You don't need to be the expert. Like I told you, was Oprah an expert? Absolutely not. Right, and there's some people who've turned into major experts. Like you, people might recognize the name Tim Ferriss. Look at every one of his books he wrote. That's like a Bible. It's like this big, right? It's it's huge. I'm holding my fingers. It's like super thick. Like no one even finishes his books. He's got so many of them, and they're all they are is experts from other ex experts from other experts. Right? Not, none of it's his. It's not his. He's just a researcher. <laughs> So you don't need to be smart. You don't need to be the expert. You don't need to do any of those things. The byproduct is it ends up turning you into an expert. Mm. So now what about in your world in the B2B space? How how does it work for a B2B company? Because we don't typically hear of B2B companies building great communities, so to speak. So take, for example, like you mentioned Facebook. Yes, we're all generating the content, but Facebook knows that, hey, businesses want to sell to people like you and I. So because we're all building the content, that means we're all going to be on Facebook. That means, hey, if you pay me X amount of dollars, 
you can show whatever ad or whatever you want to pitch to the people that are on Facebook that will make money. But for like, take for example, some of the companies you've worked for, how does it work in terms of creating this community that will make a faceless company seem like an engaging real person that people know, like, and trust? Yeah. So it's actually not that hard. It's actually a lot easier. And it's, there's, a, there's a lot less steps, right? So today, you know, so many people are trying to do so many things that they actually get nothing accomplished, right? That, so, so basically, I always tell people, look, you, you have 100 points, and you have to get to 100 to actually win. So you only have 100, and you have to get to 100 to win. And what most people are doing is they have, like, 20% in – you know, Instagram, they've got like 20% in creating content and then they've got 20% in, you know, um, you know, uh, Facebook ads or something like that. And then, and then maybe they've got 20% in, in, in podcasts or something like that. Well, they never did any of them to a hundred. So they never win. They just basically have all these incompleted things that never ladder up to anything. And, Mm -hmm. and they end up doing all of these different things that, that, leads to nowhere. It's so much more work and activity than if you just understand that if you're in a B2B business and you know your audience, the easiest way to create more sales is to build a list of that audience, invite them to your community so they can get to know like you and trust you, and then close those that are interested. And the cool thing is when you do this, you actually capture more of the market. I'll give you an example. Let's say that you let's say you took a, a, a thousand random uh, companies, okay? Uh, let's, even, let's, just, let's even just say business owners, a thousand random business owners. You have them in a room, you get up on stage, and let's say you're a web design company. You do web design work. You said, hey, raise your hand in this room at a thousand people if you're in market to get a, a website or redesign your website in the next, I don't know. 60 days. Well, you're going to find that one to 3% of the room raises their hand, right? But if you change the question to this, Hey, random, you know, thousand business owners who here do you think is going to be in market for a website or a redesign a website between now and the end of your entrepreneur career? Well, shit. Thousand, a thousand are going to raise their hand, right? So they're all your customer. The problem is you just don't know when. And when you do cold outreach, you don't know if you're six months early or six months late. It's always a moving target. The target is not only small, but it's moving. So what I say to people, well, instead of trying to find that moving small target, make an offer that captures the whole market, right? And so a, so a community do, does that. And the reason why a community works particularly if you make it a private community, okay, works is because birds of a feather flock together. People want to be around other people. So let's say you market to HR professionals. Well, inviting other HR people to an HR group, they want to do that. Let's say you market to CTOs. CTOs want to hang out with other CTOs. Entrepreneurs want to hang out with other entrepreneurs. Web designers want to hang out with other web designers. So whoever your audience is, they want to be with each other. A lot of times they're alone in their company. And for them to sit around and network and hang out with people who look like them and talk like them and feel like them is a sense of belonging. We want to do it. Now, if you layer on top of that something that makes it exclusive, like private, people want Mm -hmm. it even more. 
Because this is why people join private ski clubs. They join private golf clubs. They join the yacht club, the supper clubs. Why? Because they get to rub elbows with the wealthy and rich and powerful, right? Mm. So if you can, so if you can take the concept of community and layer on that, it's a private community. Oh man, people really want to join it. And now you can capture the whole market. And what they don't know is you're actually, you know, it's not a, it's not a bait and switch because you're not trying your goal. It shouldn't be to build the community to sell. Your goal should be the, to, to build community and goodwill and to, and your goal should be to build trust equity because when you make your goal to build trust equity, the byproduct is leads and sales. Yeah. That's not something you try to get. If you try to get leads and sales, you set yourself up to fail. Remember when I talked about that? Remember when I talked about when you when you think you have a sales problem, you actually have a lead gen problem. When you have a lead gen problem, you really you really have a positioning problem. When you have a positioning problem, you really have a mindset problem. And this goes back to the mindset problem. See, everyone's trying to get leads and sales, but that's the wrong that's the wrong question to be asking yourself. You, your company should be asking, how do we build more trust equity with the marketplace? The byproduct is you end up getting leads and sales. <laughs> you don't have to try. It just, it just happens. It just happens. Yeah. So, so it's, so you can do the long way of like, Hey, I'm going to run these ads and target only people who are in market and waste. So even when you run ads, you're wasting 97% of your advertising dollars because 97% of people say no, 3% mm-hmm. of people say, yes, they click on your ad. And then there's a smaller percentage of that opt into your thing. And then you're doing all of these things. Then you use the email automation and content and creating videos and doing all these things to try to convince this tiny little market to buy from you. Instead, build a strategic list of your ideal audience, make them an offer that they want, which is community and making it private, add lots of value and trust equity, and you have a license to print money. Mm. That's it. It's that, it's that simple. It's three steps versus 15 or 20 or 100. Everybody's doing it all wrong and backwards. And you can keep doing it the old way. And I understand why people are doing it is because they're confused because there's real noise in the marketplace. There are so many people pitching something different. And, and I get it because I've consumed it all and I've done it all wrong myself. And, yeah. and this noise is, 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 is our true enemy. And it's not, it's not anyone's fault. It, this is what, you, you know, the CIA, the CIA, they torture people, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they won't openly admit it, but we all know they do. <laughs> and and what's one of the ways that they torture people by they torture them with noise with sound pollution with noise they literally will put you in a room leave all the lights on with fluorescent lights and they'll blast offensive it doesn't matter what the music is but a full blast non-stop at you for days and because they know that mentally will torture you and make you confused and force you to do what you want them to do so the marketplace wants this noise they love confusion confusion means more money the more you confuse, the more you confuse, the better, right? It's the same thing with like politicians or anything like that. They they want you to be confused. They don't want you to know the truth. They don't want you to know that it's simple. That people don't want you to know that. Oh, all you need is trust equity. Oh, wait a minute. I don't have to be the expert. I just you know nobody wants that. Then they can't sell you a whole bunch of software and shit and other stuff that they need you to buy. Yeah, because I was watching your um, I, while doing the research for the conversation, I watched your video on automation wolf where you were talking about. How was it 10 years ago? There was like 150 tools or something for sales and marketing. Now it's almost like 5,000 or, or more. And if it was just the tools themselves solving the problem, um, it will work. But even with all the tools, CRM, 
what have you, you know, zoom in for all this stuff. People are still having problems like making sales, especially in the B2B space, because it's like, yeah, I have all these gadgets, but they're not doing the magic that you told me it was supposed to do, you know? That's right. Exactly. So actually 2019, the last time we did the MarTech study, and for marketing and sales tools, there's 7,300 and something of them. 7,000. Oh and in 2011, there was 150. So you're right. Mm. If they keep making more tools, like the, obviously the old ones don't work and solve the problem. So it, it's not the tools and the tactics, right? It's it's always comes back to the problem is most people don't understand the difference between their objective, strategy, and tactics. Mm-hmm. And so what I always like to explain to people is I like to bring it back to a good story that all of us learned in elementary school. We all we all study the Greek myths, right? We all remember the the, the story of Helen of Troy. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, the story of Helen Troy, most people know it is the Trojan horse story. Well, the objective is to get Helen back. Okay. The strategy is deception. The tactic is the wooden horse. But everybody gets this confused. They think that the wooden horse is the strategy. It, it, no, it's just a tactic. The tactics come and go. It doesn't matter. What you have to understand is the fundamentals, these universal laws that don't go away. Deception mm-hmm. is something that will never go away as a strategy. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and But deception comes in many different forms. It can be done a lot of different ways. You can be really creative with it, right, if you want to. Uh, and I'm not saying you sh- that should be a marketing thing. Deception is never something you want to do. But that's just an example to understand that most people don't understand the difference between objective strategies and tactics. And so it's important, it's important that, you underst- that you understand that in these universal laws. And, and here's the thing. When you, when you finally have this epiphany, this aha moment, right, Mm-hmm. And you and you start aligning your business with these universal, you know, scientific, physic laws, okay, or these psychological behavioral laws that we can't change as humans because we just evolved this way. All of a sudden, things get a lot easier. So, like, I know everybody still is like up in arms about oh, this this health crisis of COVID nineteen, or what's going to happen afterwards when we roll into a recession or depression, et cetera, et cetera. How do I make sales? Well, you know what. My system of community works pre-COVID-19, during COVID-19, and after COVID-19. Nobody ever says they don't want to join my community. Mm. No one. And in fact, it works better in a crisis because people are in more need. They, they crave that even more. They need that even more. They need- especially now where no. we're all isolated. So you can't be at home isolated for two weeks Maybe you could do it, but after like the third week, you're going crazy. You want to talk to other people, whether it's on chat rooms or whatever. You just you just need to commune with other people to 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 share yourself with them. That's right. And so this is what I teach people to do: is I go, look, let's take an automated way to find some leverage to use AI assisted technology to build lists and reach out to people, so that you can get your so you can build a community, leverage the network effect. You can get your content for free and stop being the expert. And, and, the, and build some true trust equity. And then by doing that, you have foundation to anything that you want to sell in the future. Because I'll tell you something. I didn't do this with my first two businesses, and it was a mistake. Yeah. I, I, built two, the, I, I built these two large businesses and, uh, that I was able to exit from. The first one that I built for credit card processing just petered out. I just, it just ended up dying. after it, it made me money for about 10 years, and I just stopped working on it, and it disappeared. That was a mistake, too. But we'll save that for another story. But the point is, all those businesses, when I sold them, I I made some money. But then when I started the next one, I had to start over again. And I'm never doing that again. 
I mean, if I put even if I'd even put twenty percent of my effort into building a community audience, it would be a launching pad to sell anything I want. And now that I've been doing this long enough for over a decade, I know businesses and services and products come and go. What doesn't yeah. come and go is trust, equity, and community. And if you do that, you have you have you can, you have a license to print money whenever you want. Because it'll change. Entrepreneurs change their stuff. Things change. The world changes. What you sell today may not be what works tomorrow. Businesses have to adapt and change. Most businesses, the most successful businesses in the world, what they started out doing is not what they ended up being. Ever. Ever. Look at all of the Fortune 500 companies. Look at their origin story. What they started selling 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 150 years ago, 50 years ago is not what they sell today. You have to adapt. But the ones who understand building a real audience for that group works. Mine's the B2B audience. More specifically, if I want to get specific, it's agencies. Why is it agencies? Because that's my unfair advantage. I built and sold to agencies. Therefore, people relate to me a lot more. And that's more my ideal people, right? But generally speaking, B2B is my audience. But with B2B, I can sell them anything. I can sell them podcasting services, content services. I can sell them how to write a book. I can sell them communities. I can sell them email services, automation. I mean, this I can do anything and everything. But if I own the community, I have that right to do that. I have, a, I have the right and a license to print money whenever I want. And, and the bigger the community gets, the better it works. It follows the network effect, right? You want to leverage the network effect. Use these universal physics laws to find leverage for your business. And so you would apply it to anything that you do, right? Awesome. Yeah. As we start to wind up the show, um, I think one thing we've missed in the conversation is we haven't talked about the community itself. So when you say community, are you talking about like a Facebook group or like your own private um, a discourse, uh, chat room, or what do they call it, a forum or something like that. Sure. But I, I think we really need to clarify that for people listening and say, okay, I get what Matt, Matthew is saying, but yeah. um, when you say community, what exactly does that mean? Because I don't want to mistake it with the tactic of starting a podcast or uh, yeah. YouTube channel or whatever it is. Yeah, totally. So, so, Anything that's like a one-to-many broadcasting type thing, like a YouTube channel or a podcast, is not a community. Yes, there's social ele- elements to it, but it's not a community. A community would be things like a like sometimes a Slack group could be a private tool like Mighty Networks or a Facebook group if it's digital. But also, I want you to know that communities exist offline too. Okay. And so it, you're talking about chambers of comp- sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I've just had to follow along, like a chamber of commerce or business. Uh, type of networking group kind of stuff. That's that's right. That's a community too. And it could be really small. Like one of the things that I even encourage people to do who are not ready for this as a stepping stone is I always try to teach them to do a mastermind dinner strategy. Okay. And this is where you go and break bread with five people in a group once per month and a new set of five people every single month. Well, at the end of the year, you would have broke bread with 60 people. And they want to go to dinner because they want to hang out with each other. So, like, if I reached out, let's say, let's say that uh, it's CFOs is my market. Let's say the chief financial mm-hmm. advisors, right, uh, officers. And, and so, let's say I reach out to them and I said, "Hey, I have this matter my dinner for CFOs. Uh, it's in the area. Love for you to come and join and break bread. Dinner's on me." Of course, they're going to want to come, right? It's exclusive. It's fine. And then what I do is I sit down and I and I engage them to talk with each other. But because I did the invite, right, I'm seen as the host influencer. 
right? And, and the main connector. And what happens when they end up doing that? They get to know, like, and trust me because <laughs> I, I add value. And then at some point, someone's going to ask me, what do you do? And I'm going to tell them, oh, well, I help CFOs do this particular thing. And what I find is about 10% of them will, will end up buying from you and 10% will firm to you. So all of a sudden you have 12, 12 new clients. And if your client is worth 50 grand or 100 grand or 10 grand or whatever, shit, you just printed money from eating dinner, something you have to do anyways. That's a community mm-hmm. as well too. So on a small level, that's community, but it could be a meetup group. It could be a conference. It's something reoccurring where it's a group of people coming together and the group of people do most of the effort. You're just the facilitator. So remember, you're a curator. You're the DJ. You're a talent scout. Think of it like that, right? Don't think of it as like, you know, think of yourself as an investigative journalist, you know, things like that. You know, don't think of yourself as like, if you go into it trying to sell, you'll totally like, you'll totally do it wrong. You have to go in with the mindset. I'm here to build community and trust equity. That trust equity is worth real money. (laughs) That is where the money is at. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Thank you for clarifying that. And as my, I guess my second to the last question before we wrap up, I know we've gone over, so I apologize for taking your time. But um, when it comes to, I think we've covered a lot. We've covered the B2B space. We've covered the B2C space. But now let's talk a little bit about the people who have lost their jobs and or are losing the jobs or have nothing to do. Like if you could help, because you've, you've talked a little bit about everything, but if you could help now, like the things you've been posting on LinkedIn, for example, how can someone start saying, okay, you know what? I've lost my job. No money's coming in, or maybe I might get some help from the government. What are some things I can start to do to take stock of my skills? Because earlier in the conversation, you really spoke a lot about the skills you built up before you now use them to make money in the marketplace. So things like that, what can you do to either acquire new skills now take stock of your current skills and then start um, providing services to the current needs in the market. Yeah. So it's a great, great question. So here, here's the thing. If you have access to internet and a computer, you can do anything that you want. Like Google is your friend and most of the information is free. And as long as you are willing to learn and, and take some action, there's no reason why you can't uh, uh, make money. Here, here's here's what here's the easiest way to make money is find out try to leverage your unfair advantage everybody has an unfair advantage of experience that they have or of the life that they've lived it'll inform you about who to target and how to help but all you need to do is find it find a universal group of people who have a problem solve that simple problem better than anybody else and now you can exchange solving that problem for money it's mm. it's the fastest thing you can do a lot of times today the fastest way to do it is just to spot it like a talent scout and then broker the exchange of someone else to do it. Mm. Sometimes people, you can do it where, where it's literally people are aware that you're doing that, or you can do it where it's behind the scenes. They don't know what you're doing and it's called arbitrage. Okay. So yeah, yeah, it's just, it's just arbitraging. So for example, you could very easily find someone who will do something that has a lot of talent, you know, overseas on like Fiverr, as an example, as a website. I know a lot of people think it's crap, but there are some decent services on there that you can do. And you could broker that service to someone here in North America who would pay more for what that is. And so you're making money on, on, on the in-between, right? So that'd be the fastest way to go and make some money right now. But at the end of the day, 
there's no excuse not to make money. So all my skills, okay, that I've learned and done over the years are self-taught. I didn't go to school for this. I got on Google and, and did it myself. So many people are under uh, under investing in what it is that they do and how they do it. I literally, like if you look on personal development on courses and books and uh, upgrade things that I've done, workshops, coaches, minimum every year for the last 10 years, I've invested a hundred grand per year. I know most people go, that's crazy. I don't have a hundred grand. Well, I had to work up to it. I didn't either. And in fact, mm-hmm. even when I didn't have it, I did it. I invested in it knowing that I really needed to change my, I need to upgrade my skills and change my mindset to do it. So in the last 10 years, I spent a million dollars on educating myself. You know what I mean? On top of the, on top of the free stuff that I could find because I was willing to work on Monday through Friday and Saturday and Sunday and become, became, you know, voracious about learning and curious and, and upgrading myself. The problem is most people are not willing to invest in themselves that way. Most people, most people want to watch Netflix. Yeah. They want to do other things there. There. So you have to remember you are the sum of the five, you're the sum of the five people you hang around the most. And so if if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. A lot of times you don't know how to get around the smartest people in the room, but the easiest way that I did it was books and podcasts may like that can be your new mentors that are for free. Mm-hmm. Like there's great audiobooks, There's great podcasts like this one. You can order books. It doesn't have to be expensive. You can do this for free. YouTube is literally, oh, today, it has everything today for free. Yeah. I give it away for free. I already told you how to do all this stuff for free right now. But the reality is mm-hmm. most people just won't do it. The reason they won't do it is really a, it's really a limiting belief issue. That's the real issue. It's a mindset issue. That's why they won't do it. It's not because they're lazy. Like everyone says, oh, they're lazy. They won't do it. It's not because they're lazy. They're not lazy. They just, somewhere in the back of their head, they believe that either they don't deserve it or they can't do it for whatever reason. And and the real issue is a mindset issue that they need to fix first. The, f- the quickest way to fix your mindset issue is to start listening to podcasts and to audiobooks of people uh, who have done it. Because You'll start, you'll start reprogramming yourself and you'll start hearing stories how people have done it themselves and you'll start slowly changing your mindset. And for some mm-hmm. sometimes this can take a long time. I want to be clear. It took me almost three years to open my digital marketing agency. So I built my website in 2007 and it wasn't until 2010 that I opened it. I was scared to do it for three years. Mm. So I actually had to undo all this stuff that I didn't think I was good enough to do it. And it took... It, the real trigger was someone told me and mentor of mine told me, he's like, Matt, you know more than most small businesses know. Therefore you can move them forward. But I felt that I didn't, but he said that now you can exchange money for doing it. Go do it. And then I slowly started building my confidence, but I, but I was, I, I was still scared. I gave, you know, I was doing it for $150 a month. Like I wasn't even making money, you know, like I was losing money, but I did it anyways because I need, it, it was just, it was a slow thing. So it's a mindset thing. It always comes back to mindset. We don't have life problems. We don't have business problems. We have mindset problems that show up in these areas. Now, the great thing about being under pressure, most people don't make change until they're in pain. So if you got furloughed or you got laid off, this is an awesome way to get you put, you'd be forced into a corner. There's no jobs for you. Now you're going to be forced to do that uncomfortable thing. Which is like, honestly, you'll look back and it'll be a blessing in the sky. It's stressful right now, but it would have been the best thing that ever happened to you because, because you need, sometimes you need someone to corner you and pressure you, you know, just like a, like a diamond diamonds are created under pressure, right? 
It's mm-hmm. carbon, it's dirt and carbon under pressure, extreme pressure. You get this diamond. So welcome this change. Welcome this mm-hmm. this crisis. Welcome all these things. These are things you should be grateful for because if you embrace it, it's actually going to get you to where it is that you really want to go, where, where you'll actually be happier. So it's it's a really, really good thing. But you, but you have to just go, look, this is it. And there's never been a greater time in, in life and opportunity. Everything has been democratized. Everything. You, you, everybody has almost an equal chance of starting a business and doing things today compared to, to, to ever before. Before it used to be only there's only a few media channels. Before there's only a few big businesses and everybody worked for them. Not today. Everything's democratized. You can do anything you want, start any company you want. It's never been cheaper. It's never been easier. And it's only going to continue to be the same way in the future. Like, look at, you have a podcast. You have a radio station, man. Like, when could you have created your own radio station like that with no money and people just jump on and talk to you? Like, like what? Like, what? Like, come on. Like, anybody can do this. Are you special? You're not special. Am I special? No, no, man. I'm, I'm a dyslexic who barely made it through school. Like, I mean, like struggled, like barely read and write still today. Send emails with like people go, did like a six year old write that email? Like, but yet here I am, you know, here I am doing better than most. I'm, I'm part of the 1%. Yeah. Why? Just because it was a mindset thing. I said, I could have that too. If, if that person mm-hmm. can have it, you can have it. And just go go start doing it, you know. And then I have the mindset of giving, not taking. Right? It's it, you know, if you help enough people get what they want, you can have anything that you want to. That's that's basically what it comes down to. Awesome, awesome, man. That's a wisdom bomb right there. And I think this is a very good place to leave it on a high note because you're right. It's a mindset thing. You talking about the podcast, the radio show. Um, there's a story I read about a guy in South Africa. Matthew, you're not going to believe, with the old, like, Nokia phones, not even a smartphone, yep. this guy was able to start a chemical company that makes soaps. Yeah. All he, everything he wrote was just on the old Nokia. It wasn't a smartphone, like, yeah. you know, maybe like 10, 10 years ago or something. Yeah. And from that, he's like multimillionaire now. He totally. said all he did was when his friends were playing, he was sitting down on the phone, learning how to write, create the chemical, write the business plan, everything on the on a, a non-smartphone. So yeah. if somebody can do that in like somewhere in South Africa in a village, I mean, there's no stopping us with, at least we have 4G data or 5G yeah. data. We have no excuse. Laptop. You're right. We have no yeah. no excuses at all for not being able to, to to do and get what we want, whether we have a job or don't have a job. You're, 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 you're 100% right on that. And those are the stories that are inspiring me and keep me going and keep me grounded when I hear that. Because it's just like what I've done is easy, and I I say I'm lucky, right? That's someone who's mm-hmm. not lucky. But I'll tell you something: that person, I guarantee, the reason why they did it is because they experienced such extreme pain somewhere in their life that it that pain just catapulted them through all the other stuff, and there was nothing that's going to stop them. So sometimes what I tell people is when pain like this happens today. Embrace it because that's that's the springboard that's actually going to finally push you through all the other stupid shit that's been holding you back, right? Because you just yeah. you, you need that pain. Part of part of the reason why I'm successful is because I grew up as a kid thinking I was dumb, and yeah. and in the back of my brain I've always said I'm going to be successful and make a lot. Of, and I said I was going to make a lot of money and be successful because my parents used to fight about money and I hated it. I hated it. 
I hated that they were broke and they fought about money all the time. I said, I, I said, well, I'm going to make a lot of money. And I did. And then I also said, people, I used to think I was dumb. And I was out to prove that chip on my shoulder of pain as being a kid of not being able to read and write and do well in school propelled me through the all the other stuff. You need, you need that pain sometimes to be able to go. You need two things. I'll, I'll explain one more thing. This is important. I know we're going over it, but mm-hmm. this is, this is really important. <laughs> so just like good marketing, you have to think of your life like an elastic band, okay? You have mm-hmm. to be clear about your wants and aspirations on one side of the elastic band, and you must be really clear about your pain, okay? Your 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 frustrations and your fears, okay? And, and you need that pain and you need that pleasure. You need both at the same time because when you do that, it creates tension. And when you have tension, just like an elastic band, when you let it go, it goes ping, it goes flying through the air. But if you only have aspirations and wants, like if you just, oh, I just want to be famous, oh, I just want to make money, but there's no real pain, no frustrations and real fear, it won't get you where you want to go. And vice versa, if you only have fear and frustrations but don't have real aspirations, well, then you're just a whiner, right? You're a, yeah. you're a wanker, a whiner. Again, you have no tension. You, you actually need the balance between the two. And if anything, you actually need a little bit, you need a little bit more fear and frustration to make it go because we always move away from pain more than we do towards pleasure. So, yeah. so that, that's just, that's just a universal psychological behavior law that you can't stop as being a human. But if you can stack that in your favor, you can, you can get what you want, but you have to understand that that's how it works. And it's just like an elastic band. You need tension. So this is good. Like what's happening right now in the world. I know everyone's upset, but it's, it's the, in a weird way, except for people dying unnecessarily it's the best thing that could have happened mm, cool and what are some books on mindset or podcasts or whatever that you would recommend to help somebody get on this path to like rewiring their mindset and their yeah i i think i think podcasts are a great place to start one is because they're okay. one is because they're free right okay. and i think that any podcasts that are interviewing uh probably just anyone really who's like gone from doing, you know, going from good, from good to great. It's great. I, I, I I think that, I think that a good one is like a a good beginner one is Tim Ferriss is a very seasoned podcast, a good one to start listening to as, as, as one begin, because he he interviews a wide array of experts Mm -hmm. from health to mindset to business. But then what you can do is you can start experimenting with different ones that you like until you find the ones that you that you enjoy and then from there that'll be the launching pad to you consuming more books or audiobooks which then will lead you to more like videos and other people and it, it'll start you on a really great journey i wish i had that when i started out i actually started out when i started out the first things i started listening to were actually audio tapes that's how old i am like cassettes <laughs> and it was and i and i started off with tony robbins that's where i began yeah, yeah. my journey yeah and so i could tell when you speak that you're a tony guy Oh, that's funny. Yeah, probably have, I probably have just subconsciously taken on yeah. the way he yeah. speaks and and does things probably over the years, right? Not even knowing it, yeah. but that that was the first thing. I think I got my first set when I was seventeen or eighteen, and I still didn't. Oh, wow. I still didn't connect the dots at the time. It still took me a decade of listening to that stuff before I could change my mind in the right way. Like, mm-hmm. like even when I was, uh, even when I was an actor, I was always reading these books of, of successful people or podcasts mm-hmm. and books, but I, I never, I never took the leap to entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know and recognize that it was even, even an option at the time. I didn't mm-hmm. even, I didn't, you know, I didn't even know. So, so it can be a long journey for some people, but the point is that it, you, you take your first one. Podcasts are, 
are a fantastic way to do it, I think. Cool. Cool. Awesome, man. All right. Thank you. So thanks a lot for coming, man. I really appreciate it. This has been such a fun conversation. Honestly speaking, it's like probably my most favorite conversation for this year because it's like, it's, it's a lot of stuff you need to know, a lot of mindset shifts, and it's also timely because you can start applying it right away. I shifted from things that were a little bit abstract to more of like timely because I know that a lot of people need help right now. And yeah. Bringing someone like Matthew on to to talk about this, to talk about his own journey, and of course how to do it, not necessarily just what he did, is going to help you on your own journey to success. So yeah, take advantage of um, the crisis we have now. Take advantage of your time we have at home in isolation or wherever you are in the world. And um, forget about Netflix. Yes, Money Heist and Tiger King and all that. I mean, I see them at night, but I'm like, you know what? Am I going to watch this? Where My mom used to always tell us growing up that when you're sitting down watching people act, you're actually watching them make money. So are you going to watch these guys make money and then you're going to be like, oh, I'm broke, I'm crying, I have so put that aside you can always come back to it later but start getting your 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 mind right and your money right and then when everything is settled you can go back and binge watch netflix nobody's going to care because hey you're going to pay all your bills and you can do whatever you want to do at any point in time so matthew where can people find you connect with you reach out to you if they want to learn more about you Automation Wolf, Summit Beast, or anything else you're working on? Yeah, sure. So so I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. That's probably the best place to get me if you want to get me. It's just Matthew Hunt at LinkedIn. Or if you want to learn more about my B2B service that helps people, you can go to automationwolf.com. And if you are interested in joining my community, it's a private community, okay, a private paid one. It's at G, as in like genius, advantage.com, okay? Uh, It is private and it is paid and not everybody gets accepted, but you can apply. And if you're a right fit, I'll I'll let you into the community. And it's a great place to uh, network with other like-minded people um, and to be able to grow your business in there. Oh, and I'll just cool. link to that when this uh, podcast is edited and ready to go live. So thanks again, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in once again to the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast. If you like what you heard on today's episode of the show, please go to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show and it tells me if I'm doing a good job or not and what type of guests to bring that can impart solid wisdom to help you grow on your entrepreneurial journey. Once again, you can always email me at info at odogwu.com. That's info at odogwu.com to let me know you know if you want a different type of guest or if you even want to be considered as a guest on the show so till next time guys have a great day stay bulletproof and of course i'll catch you on the next episode of the bulletproof entrepreneur podcast